Tonight, I'm going to share with you um, one of the crazier stories in the Bible, in my opinion, uh, especially if you read it or, or hear it from the perspective of the person in the Bible. Like, sometimes Bible stories, like when we hear stories, they, they don't seem as crazy to us because we know the ending. But if you are in their shoes and, like, actually dealing with what they're dealing with in the moment, these stories are, are pretty, uh, pretty wild. There's actually, um, there's actually a lot going on. And so when I do that, this is one of the crazier stories in the Bible. It's, it's, a, it's about Abraham, and maybe you know him, maybe you don't. Um, he, was, he was in the beginning of the Bible who God used. He used this man, Abraham, pulled him from his home, pulled him from his people, and used him to establish uh, the, the country of Israel. So as we know it right now, the country of Israel, Abraham was the one that God used to establish that whole country. That, that, that was wild to me. Like, I didn't really understand that till college. And so if you understand that now, you actually are way ahead of me. And so I just didn't, didn't know that. But there's a story um, of what I would call him having active faith. And active faith is faith that moves you. It moves you particularly in the direction of the Lord. But active faith is faith that moves you into something, right? So if, if you believe in yourself, you have faith in yourself, you may go and try out for that team. You have active faith. It moves you to do something. If you believe, guys, that you are able to ask that girl to prom in a convincing way, that she will say yes, it moves you to go make some corny sign and like paint paint your body or something and then go and tell her that she's the love of your life or whatever you do, right? Like it moves you. Girls are like, dude, if they do that, I'm out. Um, it moves you. Active faith is faith that moves you to do something. And Abraham had what I would call active faith, that it moved him in the direction of the Lord. It moved him to follow the direction of the Lord in everything he did, and it, and it got kind of crazy. So I'm going to just pray for us real quick, and then we're going to jump into it, jump out of it, and then get on with our day. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this time. I thank you for your word. Would you show us your heart behind it? Would you show us something new about it? And God, would you use it for your glory and your kingdom? In Jesus' name, amen. So it starts in Genesis 12, the story of Abraham. And in Genesis 22 is where I'm going to focus on tonight. And here's how it starts in Genesis 22. It's Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2. He says, after these things, so after he pulled him out of his home, after he gave him a son when he was like in his 90s, by the way, and his wife was in her 90s, by the way, like miraculous son that he had promised him. After he told him, hey, I, I'm going to make you a father of many, but yet only gave him one son. After he had done, led him through like all of these crazy places. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham. Now, this is really important because if you don't realize that God is testing Abraham, you're going to think God is a psychopath. All right. Just hear me out. God was testing Abraham. And it said he tested him and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Not the, not the scatterball Isaac champion, not that Isaac, but this Isaac who said, 
Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah, which is just a land that's like not too far off, and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will tell you about. The next verse says that Abraham got up and took his son and some servants and headed to the mountain. So God looks at Abraham, has given him all these things, and in order to test his faith, he says, hey, you know your son whom you love so much. Take your son, take him up to the mountain, and sacrifice him. Now, now, and offer him up. And what he meant to offer him up was to sacrifice him. So in this day, if you were sinful, the way that you would pay and atone for your sin was by the shedding of blood. And the blood that you shed was often from your best animal a sheep or a goat or, or something like you would you would sacrifice an animal you would sacrifice it in worship saying hey god i give this to you because that was like kind of their currency that was the, the thing that was valuable to them they would sacrifice it because of their sin that something has to pay for sin in our life and so they would use these animals he says hey in an act of worship i want you to take your son the thing that's most important to you and i want you to sacrifice him now now, what's interesting when you come to God's word is that these are real people, real stories. This really happened. The, it, it, you can go to a secular history book, a book that has nothing to do with Jesus, nothing to do with the Bible, and it will attest that Abraham existed and Isaac existed in history, that this actually happened. Like this went down, that Abraham was who Abra the Bible says Abraham was. And so in this account, it says, and here's one thing that happened in Abraham's life. It says in verse 7, then Isaac spoke to his father. So they're on the journey. Isaac's not, uh, he's not a dumb kid. Like, he's a smart kid. Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, my father. And he replied, here I am, my son. I always think, like, are they in the dark all the time? Like, where are you, daddy? He's like, I'm right here, boy. And Isaac said, the fire. <laughs> Y'all like, fell off of that. The fire. And the wood are here. So Isaac's looking around. He's like, I've done the sacrifice thing before. There's the, there's the fire. Like, we're going to carry it with us and light the wood. There's the wood. Uh, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He's like, Dad, something's not adding. We're forgetting something. We're forgetting something. Got the wood. Got the fire. Where's the lamb? And this is what's really neat. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then the two of them walked together. He says, hey, uh, actually, here's my act of faith. That I trust that God himself is going to provide. Now, you've got, you've got to understand that when we think about putting to death, like, I just need you to go here for a second. It's kind of a dark thought. But go here for a second. Like, if we think about putting to death the thing or the person or the, or the object that is most valuable to us, the most valuable thing in our life, in order to obey what God is calling us to do, then we begin to put ourselves in Abraham's shoes. Like, you begin to feel what Abraham's feeling when you begin to say, okay, what is the most valuable thing to me that I would put to death? For me, personally, it's the same as Abraham. For me, it's the people in my life that would call me dad. Like, here's a picture of them. Okay, no. Not those guys that call me dad. The next one. The ne okay, those. Yeah, those. So th they all call me dad, but these are actually my kids. These are, <laughs> y'all like, what? Just trust me. It's weird. 
Hey, love you too, man. So these are my four kids. If you don't know me or know anything about me, uh, the oldest one is Levi. Um, the, the girl who's trying to hold the baby, that's Kennedy. She also believes she is the mother of those three boys. Um, and then the one who is actually looking like a wolf, that is Elliot. Uh, and then Reed, who's like, what is happening? And why is this on my head? Uh, that, he, that's Reed, and he's our youngest. And I just would tell you that if, if there was a situation in which I had to do anything close to what Abraham had to do with Isaac, I don't know how I, I would handle that. Like, if God was calling me as a father to do that, I think I would say, okay, God, I'm going to get up and go. And I'd pull a straight Jonah, right? Like, we're hiding. I'm going to hide you, Isaac, and I'm going to tell God I did it. And maybe you won't notice. Like, I, I'm not, it's not going to happen. Like, I just don't know how I would come to a place where I would be able to do that. Where I would be able to, some of the, the people in my life, other than my wife that I love the most. Like, that's a big ask. And it would be for you, too, that, like, God was calling you to sacrifice and get rid of the thing that you value the most. That's a big ask. But yet, what you see in Abraham is this peace. There's this layer of peace in him. Like, like he's not, like, like, I'm sure there was some emotion. I'm sure there was some, some dread. But, but also, there was, like, this peaceful walk to go and do what God had done. And the thing about Abraham's peace is, I believe, it comes through his faith. That when Isaac asked, hey, Dad, where's the lamb? He says, I have faith in a God who's always provided. In this moment, when I think I'm going to have to do something crazy, I don't know how and I don't know where and I don't know when, but what I do know is that God has always provided and I know he will provide. And so in Abraham, in this hard moment of God calling him to obedience, he has this level of peace because of his faith in what he knows about God. And so you see that he trusts him. It says in verse 9 that he went and he bound his son. And after he bound his son on top of the wood pile, that he, that he then reaches out and he takes his knife to slaughter his son. This is a wild moment. That he believed that God himself would provide even to the point where he brings a knife out and he begins to get ready to, to kill his own son. You see, this is what faith looks like. That he didn't have a lamb to provide. He just knew what God called him to. And what you need to understand is that's where faith in your life starts. That faith in my life and faith in your life and faith in Abraham's life, it starts where our ability stops. Where our strength and where our ability stops is where faith begins. Like, often we want to say, hey God, I trust you as long as I can control the circumstances. But that's not faith. Faith is, it, it begins where our ability and our strength end. 
That's why in the prideful person, you'll see in God's word, in the prideful person, he says, man, like that person gets humbled all the time. That person has little faith all the time. Why? Because in the prideful person, here's what they do. They believe that their, faith, their strength and their ability never end. The prideful person also only puts themselves in positions where they are strong and able. Hear that. So when God would call them to a place where they don't feel strong and they don't feel capable and they don't feel able, they would avoid that place because they're only going to a place where they feel and appear strong and able. And so they have very little faith. Faith is, is when God takes you to a place where you are not strong, nor are you able. And you say, God, you've called me here, and so I still trust you in this. That's where your faith actually becomes evident. And so in Abraham, it's the same way that that's where his faith actually became evident, where his strength and his ability to provide any other way stopped. It says that he raises his knife, he begins to want to slaughter, not want to, begin to, to obey, obey, his, uh, obey God and begin to slaughter. It says, but the angel of the Lord, this is so cool in verse 11, called him from heaven. And he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he replied, here I am. And then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. He says, since you have not said, no, 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 this is my most valuable possession. No, 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 this is the thing that's the biggest to me. He says, I recognize that you fear the Lord, that you're in awe of the Lord, that you're obedient to the Lord, that you recognize that God is bigger and better regardless of what he calls you to or calls you from. He says, man, you are willing to give up the thing you're most valuable, val valuable to you because God had become the most valuable thing. So this now became secondary to who God was in your life. That's the position that the Lord is to take. Is whatever that most valuable thing is, God is to take that, that place in your life. So that's what walking with Jesus looks like. That's what trusting the Lord looks like. That's what having faith in God looks like. He says, you have not withheld. And it says in verse 14, then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught. And so uh, in the thicket of the thorns. And so Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And then Abraham named that place. The Lord will provide. This is what it looks like to put to death the things that used to have more value than place God in its place. Now that's what faith looks like that you would take the most valuable thing and you say, God, I offer it to you for whatever you want to do with it. And God is always faithful. God is always faithful to provide something more satisfying. Whether he takes it and gives you something or whether he just gives, rearranges your priorities, God is always faithful in that. So for Abraham, it was the same thing. That, that he, 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 he took what was most valuable and put it in in the right priority in Abraham's life. But when we put God first, it doesn't mean that it isn't a sacrifice or it doesn't come with emotion. And so I just need you to hear that. And I've told you this before, that, that me in your place, my testimony when I was in your place was just someone who, who really did not like take the most valuable things I had and say, hey God, you can actually take its place. And I often tried to put them right next to one another. 
because it takes emotion, because it would take sacrifice, because I wasn't willing to trust that God would provide for me while doing it. You know what I love about this story more than any other, and you just got to hear this part. What I love about the story more than any other is this is simply a picture of, of, of what God did for us or would do for us in the coming years. Like this is just foretelling about who Jesus was. That when you look into God's word, it's always pointing back to who Jesus is. It's always pointing back to the sacrifice that was needed. See, the thing about it was though Isaac wasn't put to death, there was an animal there that was sacrificed. Its blood was drained from its body as an act of worship, as a sacrifice for Abraham and Isaac. That it, it, death did happen. And that's the product of sin, that death has to happen. That it demands it. It doesn't, it doesn't go away without it. And like Isaac, this is what Jesus did. That like Isaac, this is the picture of who Jesus is. That Jesus also came from miraculous birth, just like Isaac. And like Isaac, Jesus was God's only son. Like Isaac was Abraham's only son. And like Isaac, who was loved by his father, Jesus was loved by his father and like Isaac Jesus also carried the wood to the sacrifice that Isaac carried the wood and Jesus carried the cross to the sacrifice and like Isaac who submitted to his father's will climbed up on the 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 altar which blows my mind too cuz Isaac obviously trusted God in the same way that his father did that Jesus trusted and submitted to his father's will and like Isaac who was undeserving of this death that Jesus was undeserving of his sacrificial death for us that there is this picture that God preserved this in his word that you and I wouldn't just get stuck on Abraham and Isaac but that we would see who Jesus is and so then you go to the verse that like all of us know which is John 3, 16 and 17, he lines it out. He says, for God so loved the world in this way. Not that God didn't love Jesus the way that I love my son, but yet God's love for Jesus was even more than that because my son messes up sometimes and I'm messed up sometimes. But God had a perfect love for his perfect son. And it says, but God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That the story of Abraham and Isaac was given to us to show God's plan of salvation through sacrificing his only son. And when you read the story of Abraham, what it tells you often, what you get caught up in is like, oh, this is such a hard moment. This is such a scary moment. Man, this is such a tragic moment for this father and the son. And this is such a big decision for this father and his son that he's going to end his son's life because God had called him to. And then yet you come to the gospel. Don't lose those emotions, but rather take those and put those on who God is and how God felt. This was a big moment, a big decision. 
He says, but yet his love for us in our sinfulness compelled him to make a sacrifice for our sin so that we would be saved through Jesus. He said, I didn't send him to condemn you, but to save the world through him. That his one and only son. Second Corinthians says that on the cross, Jesus became what we were so that we might have what he is. And so my question would be simply, do you have faith? Have you placed your faith in who Jesus is? Have you recognized that you have sin in your life, that there's brokenness in your life, You can try to resolve that brokenness. You can try to deal with that brokenness. But yet, what what will become evident, whether now or at the end of your life, what will become evident is there's only one thing that restores the brokenness, and it's Jesus. He's the only one big enough to restore the brokenness in your life. Have you trusted Jesus with your life? Have you said, man, Jesus, I, I need you. For you in here who have, who are following Jesus, you're like, yeah, I, I've trusted Jesus and I'm kind of all right sometimes. I've kind of messed up sometimes. My, my question to you would be, do you say that your faith, like would you say your faith leads to new opportunities of obedience? Would you say, man, I have active faith. That my, faith my faith actually leads me to opportunities to like really be obedient and, and really love people well. Like, if you're like, no, my faith in Jesus actually doesn't affect anyone around me, then you, would, you can't say that you have active faith. Active faith in who God is and, who, and, and, and what God is calling you to do actually should affect everything around you. That anytime you look in God's Word and you look at somebody who is faithful, that it always affected everyone around them. That God has called you into your schools and into your friend groups and into your families for a purpose. That he's called you to say, hey, trust me in this. Be the person I'm calling you to be in this. Be a person of love and a person of peace and a person of hope. Be a person that encouraging words come out of your mouth. And be a person of strength who's strong, who stands up for the broken. Be a person who's inclusive, who's including those around you. Be a person who loves people the way that I loved you. But you're like, but they're sinful, man. They're awful. They annoy me. And he's like, do you not think you annoy me with your sin? He says, but man, I look past that because I love you. My God is not okay with your sin. He wasn't satisfied with your sin. But he compelled him to sacrifice. And if you call Jesus your Lord and your Savior, you need to know he's calling you into the mission field, which is your current season of life, your teens, your games. Like, I heard... Um, Somebody was telling me just the other day um, that, maybe it was Larry, I don't remember, uh, or E, somebody, that there, there was a group of eighth grade students, this is the coolest, who were having a Bible study in the bathroom at their school. And you think, like, that's weird. And then the teacher went into the bathroom, and they all had their Bibles open, just like in the common like area in front of the sinks or whatever, and they were going around reading Scripture. That in the morning before school started, they just needed a quiet spot. They, they would meet in the bathroom. 
Like, how cool is that? Like, these people were like, you know what? I want to live Jesus out wherever I go. This wasn't some theologian. It wasn't some pastor had to do it. It was just students who took God's word, brought it to the place where God's word is not, and said, man, let's start learning about who Jesus is. You're one choice away from that. You're one choice away from saying, okay, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you in this. The thing that's most valuable to me is my identity. And I want you to make me who you want to make me. So I'm going to sacrifice that, the one that I've been building, to a guy that you can just build me. Active faith should move you. Are you being moved by it? I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to, um, I think we're going to worship. God, we love you. We thank you so much for just this story of Abraham and Isaac and the, and the faith of this man that is still impactful today. God, we thank you for the way that you've preserved it in order to paint the picture of who Jesus is for us. And so God, we trust you. We ask you, Lord, that you would show us the things that we are valuing the most in our life in this season. God, would you, um, for those in here that don't know you, Lord, would you just orchestrate the circumstances? Would you prepare hearts and minds that they, they would come to know who you are really? Not because they feel pressured to, not because they, that, that anyone sold them on it, but God, but simply they would, they would know in their heart that, that you are who, God's, who your word says you are. And God, would you move in such a way that you would lead us who do trust you and do claim to follow you into active faith? that you would change uh, Great Bridge High School. God, that you would change uh, Hickory Middle School. God, that you would change Brassville and, and Oscar Smith. God, that you would change Greenbrier and Atlantic Shores. God, that you would use these students right here. And there are many schools. God, to be active in their faith. Would you begin to work at the end of this semester? We'd look back and say, Man, God, how great are you? How powerful are you? Would you use them to bring salvation to those that are lost? We love you. Would you be pleased by the, the sound we make and the meditations of our hearts in these moments? In Jesus' name we pray.